We're back with more Gabe Ramirez and Clay Harbor on Sports Radio 670 The Score and the free Odyssey app. Scott Merkin going to be hanging out with us at 7.20 p.m. It is Gabe Ramirez. It is Clay Harbor. Going to be talking White Sox baseball for the next eh, 30, 40 minutes or so. A lot to talk about. Chris Getz named the new GM of the Chicago White Sox. He'll be joining Mully, or excuse me, yeah, Mully and Hall, but Grody will be filling in for Mully. So David Hall and Mark Grody tomorrow, 8.25 a.m. Make sure you guys are listening to that. Can't wait to hear from Chris Getz. Jerry Reinsdorf talked to a handful of people in his office, Clay. It was just a handful. Interesting. I wonder if Scott Merkin was one of those people. We'll get a chance to talk to him for a second, in a second. Um, but before we play some clips, I want to shout out my wife. She's running a 5K right now. Right now? We're literally right now. Like, it, is it a competition, a race, or is she just doing that like for a workout? So it's funny because my wife works for the federal government, and since she's like she's super young, and yeah. a lot of people in federal government are older, so she was in charge of like, you know, uh, what is it, employee engagement things. So she, you know, happy she does the happy hours. Everybody be coming through. She's young. People think she's hip, and then all of a sudden she set up this five k because there's a lot of people that run with her, and it is the race. Judicata and the race benefits Chicago Volunteer Legal Services Foundation. So all the money, oh, man. All the money that, that they get dude. provides free services. She's out there. But two things. One, she left in shorts and a t-shirt. It's cold. It's cold as hell outside. Getting cold. Second of all, sometimes your events that you put together at your offices, and I know people in the car listening are, are going to be laughing at this. Like sometimes when people put up, you know, events like that, you're like, I'm not going to that. It's lame. It's work. I'm not going to I'm not going to that. So she ended up being the only person. <laughs> no, she didn't. Nobody showed up. Like her bosses were supposed to go. I took her ass to the to the race packet pickup. And we went to Dearborn and Madison right here. She came up with a box of like eight different people's like race packets. And she's she texts me while she's there. She's like, I guess it would be funny if no one showed up, right? And then her next text to me is, I can't believe the race starts in 15 minutes and no one is here. I feel ridiculous. <laughs> Oh, nobody showed up? So, Well, I told her, text me when the race is over, and I said, let me know when you're done. I said, Damn. makes for a great story. So uh, there are people running in, in Lincoln Park right now, Yeah, and hopefully uh, she didn't have to run by herself. But you you don't run any 3K or 5Ks or anything like that, right? I lift weights, Gabe. That's what I do. Oh, I lift very heavy weights. Just, uh, just a couple days ago, I got back up in the 400-pound club on my bench press. 37 years old, still benching 400-plus pounds all natural. Tyler, this, Ty, Tyler, Tyler Farringal, this guy acts like anybody cares about his little 400 pounds. His little baby little 400, 400 pounds. pounds. Dude, 400 pounds? Who, who, how is that practical? Like, how does that help anything that you do in life? 400 it, it, pounds, bro? 400-pound bench much. press. I can still do 12 muscle-ups, which is when you push yourself all the way above the bar. I'm still heavy squatting. I'm still doing all. I don't know, man. It's like that. Re, it's like that routine. Once you play in the NFL and you're pushing yourself, pushing so what, your what, body. The, you want to get to 450. You want to get to 500. Like what's you know what I'm saying? Like what's the goal? No, my goal was to get back up to 400. I hadn't oh, been I in see. 400 for like a couple of years. I'm like, I wonder if I can do 400 like one more time. Okay. Maybe I do it again. But like you know, I you know go down. I still work out. But I'm like, I'm gonna push for 400. Yeah. See if I can get it. I got back to four. I might go for four. So wait, wait, wait. So so t- take me take me to this. Gabe Ramirez, nine-year NFL vet, Clay Harbor, talking about benching 400 pounds. When you go to LA Fitness or wherever you go to work out. Lifetime Fitness. Lifetime. Great you, gym, by the way. Stop it. You just tap somebody on the shoulder. You're like, hey, bro, can you spot me real quick? I don't I don't use a spot. 
do or die. That's how you get. That's a trick to get in the weight. If you don't get it, it's literally do or it's die. Do or die. Four hundred pounds, bro. I mean, there's people around you. If they see you struggling, I hope they'll come up. But I don't use a yeah. spotter. And don't hey, if you're listening at home, don't try it. use a spotter. But just me, I'm you know I'm very. Yeah. I've been lifting weights since you know high school. You know how to get yourself hyped up. Yes, and I know that that gives me a little extra push. But I know there's nobody back there. Yeah. Oh, you got to get this. If you don't, <laughs> yeah, no you're going to look like an idiot or you're going to hurt okay. yourself. I will say you do look a little, your, your traps are looking a little bit bigger. Yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate I, I hate, that. I, and I, trust me, it was hard for me to let out that compliment. No, I know. I have a mirror. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> you, you don't, don't got to tell me, Gabe. I got it, bro. No, that's all right. It's funny. You know, I, I come in here with my snacks, my cookies, my cookies and my... Whatever Bro, we got to get you here. snacking better. I don't, like, if you're going to snack, at least snack healthy. Like, I got to be honest, I like my food to taste good, bro. You can find good-tasting, healthy food. There's a way to snack. My biggest issue is that I don't have enough fruit available to me. Like, bananas go bad too fast. I like grapes in the freezer. That's awesome. But, like, I you can plums. St- you can get I- bananas for a week. But go get bananas once a week. Grab some apples. Apples last, like, 10 days. I got some, my, my wife tried to order, try to buy three apples on whatever the food delivery grocery cart thing is, and they brought her three bags of RX apple. bars, healthy, natural stuff. The other thing too is with RX bars and things like that. This is why this is why people in the hood don't eat healthy because you can go get like a McDouble for a dollar, <laughs> or if you get an RX bar, it costs six dollars. It doesn't cost six. It does cost it's like more. five something. It and costs just, more, but go to Costco, man. But it's the same thing. Like when you go to when you go to Great America, and they make you pay four dollars for a water, and then it's three seventy five for a pop. It's like, bro, it's water. You should never drink soda. Soda pop, whatever you call it, is is literal poison. <laughs> you, you have you have over one hundred percent of your daily value in sugar in one can. It's delicious though. It's good, but I'm just saying you should absolutely never drink soda. Just diet pop. Diet's better than so than yeah. than regular for sure. Let's go, let's start calling it pop. Right? Pop. I I'm a pop guy, but some people call it. So I went to school in Missouri, so yeah. some people call it uh, yeah, soda. Missourians, the South, Missouri, misery, Missouri, misery is what it, what it should be. All right. Speaking of misery, let's go ahead and jump into it. Yeah, let's do it. Gabe Ramirez, Clay Harbor, talking about some White Sox. Jerry Reinsdorf had himself a meeting. I won't even call it a press conference. And the first thing he talked about was the shooting that everybody's talking about that happened at guaranteed rate, whether the shots came from inside, outside, in a fat roll, not a fat roll. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like nobody knows. Did the did the alarms go off? Did it not go off? It's like the biggest conspiracy, and everyone just wants to get to the bottom of it. Uh, but Jerry Reinsdorf weighed in on it as well. I spoke to Superintendent uh, uh, Waller last night. And he authorized me to say that the, regardless of what anybody has said up till now, they have not ruled out that the shots came from outside the ballpark. And, and you, you, know, you can call him, contact him, and he'll verify that. Um, they're, they're still investigating. Uh, I don't want to get into specific facts while they're investigating. But we've really done a deep dive into this, and I don't see any way in the world that the shots could have come from inside the ballpark. But let's let the police continue with their investigation. 
I mean, it is really just bizarre. I like the theory that it came, it came from the, the, the fat, fat roll. Yeah. What's yeah. your thoughts? What do you think it was? <laughs> it's not fun. I shouldn't be laughing, but that's I know. a funny story. I mean, yeah, you know, whatever. I, I don't know, right? I want to make that very clear from the beginning. Yeah. Nobody's going to pull up my quotes and try to get money for me because I don't have much anyway. But in my mind, it is the good old boy network. Somebody brought in a pistol. It went off. They're trying to not cover it up. Yeah. But yeah, cover it up. Yeah. In my mind, this is what I picture in my head. Because it just seems so odd of how it all is playing out. And it sounds like fishy. It It sounds fishy. So therefore, in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, then I have to create a a fishy scenario in my head. And it is one where the person doesn't want to get in trouble for for discharging a firearm that was not supposed to be in the stadium to begin with yeah then it goes off you try to yeah. cover it up no one can prove it yeah. and so you know it is what it is after that uh but i'm glad he addressed it i'm sure he was embarrassed like he is with this season yeah and he talked about when hiring chris gets people were curious if he had any any inkling that he might have or that he might look outside of the organization oh i've talked to some people outside not as candidates but I've talked to some people outside about what they thought of our organization and that was part of one of the reasons why we made a change yeah it's tough man you know what it is Clay I'm emotionally attached to this topic so you know people have been trying to call me a couple people try to get me on podcasts and I'm just like I'm too emotionally charged and I feel I feel I feel it right now as I'm playing a clip where I'm just like, I don't want to be out here yelling on the radio or yeah. you know, talking about how I feel. So I'm just gonna defer to you, default yeah. to you for just a little bit. Yeah. I don't want the emotions to get the best. Absolutely. Um thoughts on the Sox firing people that got them to the place that they are at, but thinking the solution, the short term solution, is is promoting somebody from within. So here's the things I like about it, right? I I like that Chris Getz was a former player. I like that he played for the Whites. I like that he knows the city. And I think there are some benefits to him knowing the organization. Mm-hmm. As Reinsdorf alluded to, he liked the fact that, you know, this guy knows the organization. If, if I hire from outside, it's going to take the guy, the new hire, at least a year to get to know the organization now Gets already knows where we need help. He knows who's strong, who's weak. He doesn't have to learn anything. You know, we got we we can work right now. And I think he's looking at it way too short term. I think that he needs to realize this probably isn't a one year deal. You 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 need some real structural changes instead of more of the same. And to not interview someone, it's like you know I was on the Bachelorette, man. It's like. It's like the bachelor. She gets out the car. She sees the first guy. She goes, "That's him. That's him. That's him." I'm not. I'm roll the credits. The season's over. I'm going with this guy. No, at least you take some other dates and you see what the other guys are are talking about. It's like Gabe. Before you got married, you you had a couple other girlfriends. You dated a couple other girls. Not not one. Not one. But most people, maybe they maybe they did have a couple. So you know that that's the one. Yeah. You go. Okay, this is the one. You got to date a couple people. You got to talk to a couple people. A bachelorette, 
she doesn't go into the season thinking the first guy that I like, I'm going to go with. Maybe you really like that guy. Maybe you do end up with that guy, but you got to see what some of the other guys have to bring to the table. Yeah. It's like the White Sox, their partner passed away and they married the sister. <laughs> they married the sister. <laughs> you know this, this guy was the director right, of like, player development like, and you weren't yeah. developing players. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. the guy that that's gonna that's the gonna sister, do a better job. The sister that was a floozy or something like that. You're like, no, 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 she loves me. Your but, farm system was ranked thirtieth. It went from being a top five farm system to being ranked thirtieth yeah. before they did trade away some players to improve the farm system of late, but that's because they were put they were trading away players that didn't work out. Yeah, the the issue the issue there with the Chris Getz thing is if you felt strongly enough to rid your organization of Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn so that that way your fan base and your team can be headed in a new, in a new direction, why not follow through? It's like, I feel like it's like my mom going into my bedroom and being like, Sangano, like you didn't, you didn't clean at all. You clean 90% of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's still some dishes underneath the underneath the bed, or or oh, you you clean the bathroom. But I hope you didn't have dishes under your bed, by the way. What teenage boy doesn't have at least one bowl of cereal underneath their bed? I did. Well, mom must whoop that ass a lot to make sure that the room was clean. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Where like you're cleaning something, yeah, and you don't clean it all the way. You're yeah. not cleaning it properly. You know, you clean the bathroom, but you didn't clean. You didn't wipe down the bottom of the toilet, or you know, you swept. But you didn't, you know, go, you didn't move the chairs out of the way. You vacuumed, but you didn't move the chairs out of the way to get the last little. That's what I feel like Jerry Reinsdorf did. He he cleaned house, but not all the way. And then he was like, "Yeah, but this is okay." And I think as a fan, right, if you're trying to appease the fans, I could have taken another year of an actual rebuild if it meant that there would be a brand new slate. If it meant newness for the White Sox, you could sell me on another year of this horribleness that is the White Sox organization to tell me that you're bringing in Chris Getz so that I don't have to go through that. So it could not yeah. be a, a rebuild. It could be just a patchwork. Like what? <laughs> yeah. What? You're insulting me right now. At least look. Okay. Don't, don't say, yeah, I know some other guys that uh, you didn't do an interview process. Yeah. There are some very educated and qualified front office people out there that could have been a guy that he ends up really liking. He doesn't even know because he didn't look. He's got this comfort level to where he's tied to someone that he knows that could possibly be successful. Maybe he doesn't know how much longer he's going to be in the, the White Sox organization. Obviously, he's getting older. He, he doesn't want to go through that. But if you're thinking long term, if you're thinking for the fans, you structurally obviously have an issue here with the rebuild. It's not just a one-year thing. You need to really start over and kind of get, get some fresh faces in there. Yeah, but, you know, it's like Jerry Reinsdorf said. He said, friends of mine have said, well, why don't you sell? Why don't you get out? And my answer has always been, I like what I'm doing. As bad as, as it is, and what else would I do? I'm a boring guy. I don't play golf. I don't play bridge, and I want to make it better before I go. I hope he does. I genuinely hope he does. I hope so, but I mean, I think that that mindset of just the, the reason you're doing this is is just because you don't have anything else. Because you're rich, and it doesn't like you're like, oh, this is you're my, supposed to have a passion for it, and you're supposed to really want 
to dive in it and to create a winner, not just because you don't have something else to do. What if what if Joe Biden was saying, you know, why, but Joe, why are you still in presidency? Uh, I don't, I don't know, guys. I, I guess I uh, nothing else to do. You know, no, you're yeah. supposed to be the leader of this organization. You're supposed to be here because you want to make this this thing better. You want to make this team a winner, not because you don't know how to play bridge. And why do you say bridge? What is, I don't even know what bridge is. Can we say poker? Can we say spades? Can we say bridge? He's Uno? 87. What is bridge? I don't even know what bridge is. He's 87. I know. I know. I'm sorry. But, like, you know. I all guess, all man. Right, all right, all right. We get to talk to Scott Merkin from MLB.com about what he thought. I mean, was he in the room when Reinsdorf was making these comments? And as someone who's covered the team closely, is he satisfied with the direction that the White Sox are headed in? Scott Merkin joins the show. After this, it's Gabe Ramirez, Clay Harbor on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. You change your mind, you know, over the years, as th- th- things evolve. I think we had a great combination in, 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 in Rick and Kenny. Uh, but I think that Chris, Chris's skills embody the skills of both of them. Uh, Kenny, Kenny I, was a great talent evaluator. Chris's, uh, Rick's skills were negotiating contracts and uh, dealing with the media and uh, stuff like that. I, my feeling is he can, he's got both those skills. We're back with more Gabe Ramirez and Clay Harbor on Sports Radio 670 The Score and the free Odyssey app. Jerry Reinsdorf said the 2023 season was the worst of his career. And I wonder if our next guest feels the same way. He's been covering the White Sox for 21 years uh, from MLB.com. He is joining us on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. It is Scott Merkin. Scott, I got to ask you, is it the worst season of your 21 years as well? Well, I'm currently watching uh, Carlos Alcaraz playing tennis, and it was not the worst year of his life last year. As a matter of fact, I think it was the best year of his life last year. Yeah, you know, I said last year, guys, that in the 21 years I covered, in the 20 years last year I covered the team, I thought last year was the worst only because they've had better records. Or I'm sorry, they've had worse records. They've had better records, too, of course. But And they finished 500 because there was so much expectation coming off the year before. There was so much expectation about taking that next step forward. And they, to use a, a line from Rick Hahn that's been used quite a bit, they were kind of mired in, not kind of, they were mired in, mired in mediocrity. They were never more than five under. They were never, never more than five over. So just when you think, okay, this team's done, they have no chance, they win six or seven in a row, and you're like, okay, now they're going to the playoffs. And then it finally ended when they lost eight in a row to the Guardians and the Tigers down the stretch, and, you know, they were at limited playoffs. This year is worse. This year, I agree with Jerry, this year has been, just bad baseball. I think there's another, I know there's another quote in there where Jerry talked about that. He understands how the fans are miserable. He's miserable. And he said, you know, he doesn't watch all the games. He'll tape some games and then go back and watch them if they win. So um, it's just, it's been a rough year. It's not been Chris baseball. It's not been well-played baseball. And, you know, I I agree with them. I agree with them. Of the 21 years I've covered, it's been the worst season for them. And there's been, you know, club clubhouse issues. It seems like, and just just a weird season on top of it being a really bad. I mean, they're twenty eight games under five hundred. I don't think anyone needs me or even Jerry Ryan's <laughs> to say this is a bad year to see that, right? I mean, they're twenty eight under. That kind of speaks for itself. 
Brutal, brutal. So I want to get your take on obviously what everybody's talking about. It's the hiring of Chris Getz uh, to senior vice president, general manager, just announced today. Do you think that they should have maybe had a more extensive search with maybe someone outside the organization? What's your feel there? And what's a feel what you're what you're hearing around the organization when when that question is brought up? I know he he alluded to he he didn't want to take the year for someone to get to know the organization, but what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think you can argue that point. You know, you, you certainly can, and sometimes it's it's good. And, and I think Jerry made the well, Jerry made the point. I was part of the you know, the earlier session with Jerry, and he made the point that he has spoken to a lot of people, whether it was an interview process or not, around baseball about this team. And the thing is, I think, you know, Chris Getz, I think, will do a good job at this. Now, someone else brought this up today, a couple, some people I talk baseball with quite a bit, and also in the press box, or I'm sorry, in the um, interview room afterwards, we're working about you know, if Chris Getz was from another team, if Chris Getz was the vice president, assistant general manager, vice president of minor league development for the Dodgers, would people be saying, oh, my God, that's a great hire? You know, is it yeah. just the label on that that people I, – I get the farm system. There's no question. One of the problems with this year was that not only was the major league team bad, I mean, they were 7-21. and 21. They were done at the end of April for all intents and purposes, yeah. even though teams have come back from that kind of start. Absolutely. But it was it was trouble, put it that way, with some of the injuries they had and some of the underperformance they had. But the farm system was not good, and it improved some by trading away, you know, six veterans with various forms of expiring contracts and Jake Berger at the trade deadline. So that improved a little bit. So I get that point. But again, if if Getz is from somewhere else, I, I I'll go back to something that has been tweeted by a couple of people, and I've heard the same thing when he was hired away from the Royals. It was considered an outstanding move by the White Sox. It was yeah. considering hiring an up-and-coming, really creative young mind. So I get it seven years later. I get there's been some ups and downs and some deep downs, but I think you got to give him a chance. And I, I think, you know, basically the one-year thing, we debated that a lot. We were doing our writing and transcription there afterwards about, you know, would it really take a player one year? But I think what Jerry is trying to say is, he does not want to do a full-on rebuild. He wants to try and win next year if that's possible. There's going to be a lot of creative maneuvering that's going to have to be done for them to win next year, going from where they are now to next year. But I think he's saying that he has a guy, and he told us this, that I'm kind of rambling over the place, but he told us that one of the reasons he made the moves with Kenny and Rick on August 22nd was he wanted to give Chris a chance to see this season, the rest of the season, which I understand, and he wanted to give Rick a chance to, you know, to get out there and get his name out there too. So I, I think he's going with someone he knows. He's going with someone he's talked to, someone he's observed. And I think the the biggest tie-in is, yes, the farm system has been up. It's been down. It was down you know, the last couple of years. But this is a guy who he knows and he knows knows the system. So that's the direction he went. We're talking to Scott Merkin, uh, White Sox beat writer for MLB.com. Been doing it for 21 years. Close relationship with the team from front office. Uh, but to answer your question quickly, Scott, the answer is yes. If he was coming from a different organization, people will feel feel differently about it. But the it's, right. it's the reason why because he's coming from the White Sox, which has just been in just been a disaster. So yeah, of course, I mean, anybody from any organization probably would be better than somebody coming from within. And I think that's the big issue that people like myself that are fans 
you know, just see as, as I don't know, just they should have taken a different direction because. No, I understand that. And I think my last answer that I just gave you guys needed to be edited a little bit. Um, I think my boss would have sent that back and said, cut about 50 <laughs> words out of that right there. But, but, but I, I think that there's no saying that he won't be as good as someone you would have hired from the Dodgers or the Rays just pointed to, or the Braves, three teams who are dominant and should make long runs in the postseason, or at least they're going to the postseason. And I yeah. get that he's been part of this group that has underachieved. I mean, this rebuild got so much play and he would, he took over the farm system when he was, when they were, you know, just emerging as one of the top five farm systems in baseball. And it's gotten so much play and ultimately it netted them two playoff wins, right? Not two series wins, two playoff wins. So I get that you associate Chris. He's been there for seven years, right? With, with part of this, some of the ups, but a lot of the downs too. But I, I think it's a different position now. And we'll see what he can do. I, like I said, I do know that he is very well-respected uh, among the game. Just as, you know, I don't think it was like Kenny and Rick weren't well-respected either, but there's going to have to be some major changes. And they kind of hinted at that today, that, you know, they're going to explore every avenue. You may see some some trades in this offseason that you don't, you wouldn't really expect when you were mapping out the team for next year just to turn things around a little bit. Scott, let me ask you this then. I mean, obviously, you know, you know Chris gets better than a the vast majority of people um, you've been you know, around the organization a ton. What is going to be different? Like, what do you think can p- possibly be different? You mentioned a, a trade that we wouldn't expect, but I mean, from an organizational standpoint and, and how they operate, wh- how they view success and how they c- construct a team, is, is that all going to be the same? Well, I got to be honest with you. And I, I think it's the same answer he gave to me. Chris gave to me today in the press conference when I asked him, who would be replacing him as minor league director. And he kind of gave a, a roundabout answer and then said, but this is day one of his tenure, really not day one, because I think, you know, when, when, when they moved Rick and Kenny and in the press release, it said, we're hoping to have, have someone in place by the end of the season. You knew they had a preferred candidate at that point. And then I believe Bob Nightingale the next day basically said it was Chris Getz. So he, he nailed that one, but I think it's too early. I, I think you got to let him operate a little bit, right? I, I can't, come out and categorically state Chris is going to do this, this, and this, and that's going to be so much different than the last regime. I think one thing major difference is one major difference is he is going to be the lone voice right at the top of the baseball department. Like, you know, there will be probably another hire, maybe another hire or two in that department. And Jerry pointed out today, understandably so, is the owner that he still has a say in, you know, the finances and spending and everything else. But otherwise, Chris has full autonomy at the top of that department. And that's going to be a little different. You had an executive vice president and a general manager before, plus the assistant GMs and special assistants. And there still will be many of them still there, but Chris now has, Chris is the decision. Chris is the final word on what happens. So maybe that makes a difference. Although I think Kenny and Rick worked pretty well together. For some reason, it just the last two years did not get the results. Yeah. I, I, as a NFL football player, right? I think I've seen scenarios similar to this because I I go back to Gus Bradley, my coach in Jacksonville. He came okay. he he came from Pete Carroll's, you know, lineage, right? And he comes to Jacksonville, right. he wasn't successful. But then I've seen a guy like Doug Peterson, coach Coach Reed gets fired in Philly when I was in Philadelphia and and, and Doug goes on to end up being the coach of the Eagles and wins a Super Bowl. So I don't think that Having a player, a coach, a GM from underneath the regime or the coach that wasn't successful 
is necessarily a bad thing. People are saying that it's just going to be more of the same, but these guys have their own ideas, they have their own thoughts, and the margin of victory in professional sports, in baseball and football and basketball and all of them, I've experienced in football, are so small. Small tweaks, just figuring out things, doing things a little bit better, having a better nutrition plan. I know he talked about that. He talked about he's going to work on the sports science. He talked about he's going to change some things in scouting. He's going to change some things in player evaluation. If he follows through on all those things and there's still some things that he keeps the same from before, I think he can have a massive impact and he can change things in a big way. And he's a young guy, and I think players like the fact that he played the game. He's a guy that played there and been there. I know when my coach, when my GM played football, talking to him was much easier because I know he knew what I was going through. Now when he said, he says, I'm going to go and I'm going to talk to the players. I'm going to get ideas from them. When he sits down across from this player, he was in that chair. He knows exactly what they're going going through. Most guys can't do that. So I think that is something that's a leg up that he has and a lot of other guys in this league that could make him successful that could make the difference, and that's one of the positive things I'm looking at from this hire. I think you gave great examples. I mean, I, I you started saying that, I thought of a couple other. I mean, like Charlie Weiss was a mastermind, right, with New England yeah. and did not fare very well as a Notre Dame head coach. I remember this because I'm a Michigan football fan, diehard, and I remember some of the – some of the blowouts there. And, you know, I think you could say the same, although he's still working right now. You could say the same about Josh McDaniels, right? Another yeah. phenomenal assistant. And I'm sure there are examples, like you said, of Doug Peterson on the other side. Yeah. So, but I, here's the bottom line, though. And one thing that Jerry did say, which I, we should have followed up on, but there's so many things that go on, as he said, you know, every year players are kind of given assignments when they leave in the offseason, do this, do this, follow this. And that's, no, that's nothing new. But he said they're going to more closely follow it this year. But I, I kind of thought they did it. They already were doing that, but maybe even more of a check-in than in the past. But here's the bottom line is I, I think fans, white, you're seeing the reaction. White Sox fans are understandably, and this is the word Jerry used, pissed. Yeah. They're, they're tired and they're pissed, and I think they wanted a change. And I think if, if you would have said we're hiring Chris Getz, who is the Astros you know, assistant general manager, it would have been like a change. That's what we want, a change, because this has not worked to what they wanted the last few years. So I think – that's more of, and I get that some feel that Chris should not be promoted and some feel that he should, but I think it's more of anger just going through these last two very difficult years if you're a fan. I mean, granted, there are more difficult things in life than your team losing, although I hope I won't be saying that Saturday after Michigan plays East Carolina, but, but I, I, you know, it's, it's in the context of life. In the context of fandom, they are pissed and rightfully so. So I think it's going to be a proven thing, and like you said, Small differences make a difference, and maybe Chris will come in and hit the ground flying, and it will change next year. Maybe just a new voice, even though he was there and involved in a lot of different areas, will make a difference. You never know what gets a team to click. And what. And one thing about this team is when you least expect them, and the time I've covered them is when they really jump up and do something. So we'll see what happens. There's still a lot of talent on that team, depending on you know who they bring back and who they yeah. move. But, I mean, Luis Robert is one of the best players in the game. Aloy Jimenez, when he's on, is probably a 40-home-run guy. Yohan Moncada, I've had back issues. I'm sure you've had back issues. A lot of people have had back issues. They're, I don't want to say crippling, but they destroy your life when it's at its worst. And then if you can manage it, you can get back to have a normal life. Now, my normal life for Yohan Moncada hitting 380-fit home runs are a little bit different, right? But he looks better. He looks like it's more under control. So there are things like that. But, again, I think Sox fans are tired of sitting there and saying, 
okay, we have this, 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 and this, and if this all works, man, we might be in contention in the worst division of yeah. baseball. Scott, they, they want more than that, so I get that. Most certainly they do, and I think that's why my, my question is, is important, and it is because if the if the reasoning we're getting as fans uh, for Chris Getz being the general manager is that he's he's more familiar, he doesn't want to go through a year of having to evaluate talent, then if the White Sox are not successful next year, do you think that this is a, a short run for Chris Getz as, a, as the general manager? No, I don't think so. No, not at all. I think he's there for, I, you know, we don't know the exact um, time. I, I've heard three, four years, but I've not. that's not confirmed, so that's just something I randomly heard. Um, but, no, this is not like a let's see what he does in a year and we'll come back next year and see what happens. No, yeah, he is, like, we're going to blow is, it up after that. <laughs> no, no, no. He is the man in charge. Okay. He's running the show and it's going to be his – his uh, program to work for the foreseeable future. Sounds good. Uh, thanks so much for hanging out with us, Scott. I love when you come on. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Appreciate okay, it, Scott. Okay, guys, take care. Thanks, man. Right. Scott Merkin, MLB.com, White Sox beat writer, been doing it for 21 years. Like you said, probably the worst season he's ever covered, Damn. just like Jerry Reinsdorf said. I, I, I asked the question at the end because I am genuinely curious. If the reason you're telling me you're bringing in Chris Getz is because he understands the roster up and down, Yeah. And you know, Director a new, a new development. yeah, a new GM would have to come in and evaluate talent, learn the roster. He doesn't want to do Look that. At the farm system. Well, he wants Build he wants to players. win next year. So if yeah. Chris, that's what I'm saying. So if he's in there for that specific reason, not to rebuild a team, not to that. build a winner, to 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 facilitate what's there right now, then I think he should have a short leash on him. On Reinsdorf said, "We're doing this to change fast." He wants to do it quickly. He doesn't want to go through a full rebuild. That's why he's there. That's why he decided to keep him. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think it's just because he was in the organization. You know, talking, I. it doesn't mean these guys come from a great organization. Josh McDaniels, when I was in New England, was my offensive coordinator. He was a phenomenal offensive coordinator. The guy was good. You know, him and Brady together. He, You know, he moves. He goes to, to Oakland, Las Vegas. I'm sorry. He can't win. Hard. Matt Patricia, great defensive coordinator on that same New England Patriots League. He goes to Detroit. He can't win. It doesn't mean that someone is going to be successful because they come from a successful team. So I think maybe we try to give this guy the benefit of the doubt. He's young. He's played the game before. He knows the city. He knows the players. He says he's got his own ideas. He says he's changing things in sports nutrition. He's changing things in the training room. He's changing a lot of things in, in scouting, he says. So hopefully it's not just talk and they can really get something done and, and really create a contender problem, out of this team. The problem is that they're, those are not the right things that need to be changing. You need to change players' mindset. You need to change players' attitude. You need to change the product on the field, right? Not get them a couple more bicep workouts. Well, you got to start somewhere, man. It's such a, it's such in AL Central. This division is not a division ruled by big spenders in baseball. This division will always be a division that you can possibly win. I just want to be the smart team one year, Clay. I want the White Sox to be the smart team, like they were in 2005. They, they, they got some pitchers, you know, El Duque, Contreras, guys that were at the tail end of their career yeah. but that could still help. Freddie Garcia, a pitcher that Ozzy was able to get the best out of, a Jermaine Die, right? You put together, you cr- you create this team that comes together like any movie you would watch and and plays well for each other. They, they the dysfunction that exists within the White Sox, just just the clubhouse, not even yeah. the organization, but the clubhouse. Like 
That is so far removed from what we view or expect from a championship-level team. So that's what I'm saying. For me, it's like I get that you're going to change things, but you still have the same core players. And I, and I like Eloy and Luis Robert, right? But you still have a Dylan Cease where are you certain he's going to get back to Cy Young form? Yeah. Is he going to is he going to continue to maybe be emotionally affected by what's going on around them and not just lock in and, and pitch well? Is Kopech going to get it together? What are you doing with Liam Hendricks and Tim Anderson at the I end mean, of the year? Their options are off. Are they as good as gone? It's just so, well, you have TA for one more, and I think Hendricks is the pending one. But just so much, so many different things you got to look. All right, uh, we are going to pause for a second. Going to talk about some Cubs on the other side for a little bit. I can't believe we've gone an hour and 40 minutes and we haven't talked about any Cubs yet. <laughs> Cubs just won two out of three against the Brewers. Cut down the lead to three, and we're just, three, baby. We're, we're just talking to them right now, talking about them right now. Um, but we are going to talk about the Cubs, their next uh, opponents, and how likely is it that they'll come out on top in that NL Central. We'll discuss next. It's Gabe Ramirez, Clay Harbor, right here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. The set for the 1-1. Here it comes. The runner goes. The pitch grounded to set to Swanson. He steps on second, and the ball game is over. The Cubs win the game. Dansby ran over to cover second. The runner was going. The ball hit right to Swanson. All he had to do was stomp on the bag at second, and the Cubs had the win. We're back with more Gabe Ramirez and Clay Harbor on Sports Radio 670, The Score, and the free Odyssey app. Got to show a little bit of love to the Chicago Cubs. Can't believe we've gone this long without talking about them. I know, right? 3-2 yesterday, they beat up the Milwaukee Brewers. Cody Bellinger just continues to be zaddy. Belly, man. I mean, it's unreal what he's doing. Somebody, I saw... I saw a meme on Twitter where they were like, uh, Belly taking a selfie with his new car. And it was a Brinks truck. <laughs> he's about to get paid. He's going to get so paid. He's going to get paid, but I would love for him to come back. I mean, you it's can't not happening. Get, you don't think it's happening? The Cubs are not going to pay Cody Bellinger all that damn money. I think they're going to pay him. No. You want to know why? Because the Cubs are smart enough to know. He will not, like, a fan thinks it's a video game and you plug in Cody Bellinger and he just automatically hits 40 homers, bats 300, and has 110 RBIs. That's not that's not real life. And and Cubs brass understands that they knocked it out of the park with this one. So somebody else is going to think that life is a video game, and they're going to be able to give Cody Bellinger $30 million a year for, you know, or $40 million a year, whatever the hell it is. That's yeah. why I was going to ask you, how much do you think Scott Boris is going to get him this offseason? I mean, $30 million seems right. Like, what was Dansby Swanson's contract? It was, uh, I believe, seven years, $177 million. My goodness. Right. Seven year, $177 million. I played the wrong sport. <laughs> Baseball's a grind, bro. It is. You're playing 162 games, traveling grind. from city to city. In football, I mean, what, with preseason, we had 20 games. We're only traveling for 10. Yeah. We're only doing two-day road trips before we fly back home. I mean, I flew to London a few times. But baseball is a grind. But I think you got to bring back Bellinger, man. He's a fan favorite. He's done so much. If they win, not if, when they make this this playoff push, obviously, I think they can still win the division. But I really, I really, obviously think the wild card is in play. They're in a good position there. How are you gonna get rid of Bellinger? Okay, listen. Here, got some, got some stuff for you here. Game winning hit. 
yeah, all I the mean, time. Literally, literally all the time. Clutch. It's all he does is <laughs> yeah. Game all right. So Dansby Swanson, twenty nine years old. Okay. Seven year, hundred and seventy seven million dollar contract. Obviously, he plays one of the most important positions at short. He's making twenty five a year, but he's twenty eight. Or excuse me, twenty nine. Yeah. Belly's twenty eight. Young. So, are you? You're. He's going to make more than Dansby Swanson. He's going to make more than $25 million a year. If not, fine, fine. For argument's, argument's sake, the same or more than Dansby Swanson. He's not, okay. making, he's not making $20 million a year with Scott Boris. No, zero chance. He's 28 years old. He wants a seven-year contract. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. Of course, $30 million a year. Somebody's going to pay him, too. Of course they are. It's Cody Bellinger. He's going to put butts in the seats. He's a power left-handed bat. He's proven he's back to his MVP form. Come on. Let's let's be very real. It's going to be tough. And, again, I'm not saying it. The Cubs, and This is not hate. This is actually tipping my cap to the Cubs organization and saying that they're too smart to give Cody Bellinger $30 million a year with no certainty – of how his play will be. It's crazy to think that, you know, last year this guy hit 210. Sometimes you got to love you, Clay, you know better than anybody else. If your mind and heart is not in it, you're not going to play up to your potential. And the year before that, he hit 165. And the year before that, he hit 239. Obviously, the year before that, MVP caliber season, you know, 47 home runs, 150 RBIs. 305 average. You win the MVP, you win the World Series, life starts to look a little different. Three down years. You pay him after one good one? That's my point. The Cubs are too smart to do that. Ah, He's looked good, man. I think he's turning over a leaf. I think this guy's locked in, said he wants to stay in Chicago. I think you got to bring Marcus (laughs) Stroman. Yeah. They know, because they know the Ricketts got the blank checkbook. Come on. Yeah. You're not, you're not saying that to the Pittsburgh Pirates. They're not going to pay you. <laughs> you're not going to say it's Jerry Reinsdorf. He's not going to give you a check. But the Ricketts, they can feel pressure. Yeah. And you they do can got, somebody. You do got young guys. You got PCA. Stop. Okay. If I have to hear about the legend of PCA anymore. Hey, man. You know, these are, these are young guys that you build your organization with. You know, I mean, they got guys that can play. But Bellinger is the reason they're in this position. I say you, you bring them back. It's not your $30 million, so it's all good. Yeah. Maybe we did play the wrong sport. All right, we're talking Bears on the other side. Don't go anywhere. It's Gabe Ramirez, Clay Harbor here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score.